0: On a dark desert night.
1: A small voice calls. Sister, will you tell us a tale?
0: Jinn, Magians, Sultans, buried treasure.
1: We're going to explore what they say about their cultures then, and why they captivate us now.
0: Light your lamp and pour some tea, while we retell you a thing. Welcome back to the podcast and another edition of our One Thousand and One Nights series. Which I feel like I say this every time, but I've really been enjoying it. I'm a Thousand and One Nights super fan.
1: Good, because like every time I'm like prepping for an episode, I'm like, oh yeah, this is a good one. <laughs> and I it's, it's hard for me to gauge whether it's because like, I'm totally nerding out on this stuff or (laughs) whether it's because I'm actually finding like stuff that like is really entertaining. So I'm glad that you're enjoying.
0: One of the things that I love about it is that the collection is so huge. There is a lot of variety to it. Yes. And I think, I don't know hardly anything about the tale that we're going to be telling Today, except for the fact that there is like a mermaid in it, which seems like something completely different than anything we've talked about with the Thousand and One yes. Nights before, so it's like there's you know point in fact right there,
1: yes, because I'm like it is mer may, and so I wanted to do a mermaid story, and of course, the Thousand and One Nights has a mermaid story, I mean
2: yeah, it's why got every it? kind of story. <laughs>
1: Um, It has, yeah, pretty much everything in it. And, like, one thing that's cool as we're going along, like, in the stories is that certain elements that that do pop up time and again, because we'll see some today in, like, this story, that they pop up inside of the story. They're starting, I feel like, to get more familiar to people where it's, like, we're starting to have gone through so many stories that it's kind of like oh this is even more familiar even than like it was before like this is an element that like we've just gotten used to being like part of these tales while still having stuff in it that you know is new
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah so we can move past the things that used to confuse us and be confused by new and exciting things instead
1: indeed (laughs) i'm excited for some (laughs) new and confusing things so another thing that's going to be interesting about this story that we're looking at today is so in our last thousand one nights episode we talked about alibaba and the 40 thieves and that's a story that's kind of been like added on to the nights in the last 300 years so even though that kind of to us where we're <laughs> feels sitting like a right d- now. Dang, if, long time. Yeah, it feels like 300 years. That's a really long time to be part of it. Even though we know that's like an orphan tale, so it's like a newer edition, but the story that we're going to be talking about today, which is Julnar the Seaborn or Julnar of the Sea, it is such an old tale that it actually shows up in manuscripts for other books of tales from the Middle East. So, The manuscript in question, it's so old that it has long been missing its front cover. And so the title of this collection of tales is unknown. And so it gets its title from just a fragment of the first sentence it contains. Tales of the Marvelous and News of the Strange. Uh, sweet. Which I'm like, this is so cool. That's a
0: that's an awesome title. Oh,
1: it's like the best title of all time. So I'm like, am I glad that the front cover of this very old manuscript is missing? No. But did it accidentally <laughs> give us the best title for a book ever? Yes.
2: Yes.
0: Because the the original title was probably something dumb like The Tales That We Tell or something like <laughs>
1: that. <laughs> well, but another thing that's sad. Since now that we're, like, laughing, I'm going to, like, plunge us into despair. (laughs) So one of the things that's sad is that the manuscript, because it is so old, in its table of contents, it says that it holds, like, 48 tales. But there, inside of the manuscript, there's only 18 tales.
0: Oh, man.
1: Yeah. So it's, like, missing a good chunk of the back end off of it so tales of the marvelous is most likely the oldest surviving story collection with material that's in common with the knights and in fact tales of the marvelous seems to be one of the oldest of all arab story collections that has been discovered so far wow so from the internal evidence that's provided inside of the stories in the collection It is believed that it was first put together in the 10th century.
2: Whoa.
1: But the manuscript itself in question, the one that's missing the front cover and the back half, they're pretty sure that it dates closer to the 14th century based on the type of calligraphy. But even that has kind of been debated uh, because of an inscription inside of the book itself made out to a particular person who was believed to be alive during the 15th century. So they don't gotcha. know whether the inscription then makes it seem like it's newer, but it was like a, maybe an older book that was then give, they don't know. So there's right, a like lot of debate. Was it
0: a hundred years old when, the, when someone inscribed it to give to somebody?
1: Exactly. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. Cause that, A book can be older than a person that it's being given to, but usually, you know what it it should
0: be. (laughs) 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 Just kidding. Wait, no, that's dumb because they could write a book this year and then you could give it to me, and that would be a great book for me to receive as a gift. (laughs) Yeah. Why am Why am I an idiot? I was thinking of a child for some reason. Yeah,
1: that like yeah, no, but you're fine. You you can be given a book that
0: <laughs> is younger than you. It's okay. Is than you.
1: Yeah. Um, so in the Arabian Nights, a companion by Robert Irwin, because of course I'm going to be talking about
0: that. <laughs> it's not a Thousand One Nights episode if we don't talk about the Arabian Nights, a companion by Robert Irwin.
1: Yes. So that book was written in 1994 and then reprinted in 2005. And inside of it, The Arabian Nights, A Companion, Robert Irwin laments that Tales of the Marvelous and News of the Strange has never been translated into English, but that he thinks it very much deserves to be translated into English. But luckily for us, we live (laughs) in the year 2021.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Is it lucky for us, Katrina? Only in this one respect. (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) We live in interesting times. But in 2014, Penguin Classic, the same publishers of the most recent translation of the Knights that we've been using for our episodes, they published Tales of the Marvelous and News of the Strange for the very first time into the English language.
0: Awesome.
1: So the translator for... This first time ever edition of Tales of the Marvelous and News of the Strange. Malcolm C. Leons, the same translator who did the Penguin Classics, The Arabian Nights. Nice. And who wrote the introduction for this book? Robert Irwin.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh robbie you got your wish
1: i know and, i was like and he
0: got to be a part of it by writing the introduction that's I know. great
1: i'm like this is beautiful he's like in his book 20 years previous he was like oh it'd be really great if this got translated into english and then he got to see that happen yeah and then write and the probably, introduction for
0: it probably because he was such a advocate for it too like he probably had a A hand in it, at least as far as like raising awareness and making people interested and being like, hey, come on, I want to read this. Let's do it.
1: Definitely. I'm sure he was a big pusher of the project. (laughs) So the story of Jul'Nar the Seaborn is inside of Tales of the Marvelous and News of the Strange. And it is inside the 1001 Nights. And that's how they know that this is most definitely not an orphan tale (laughs) (laughs) because it has this very old pedigree. They do not know which came first. Obviously, the manuscript for Tales of the Marvelous News of the Strange is older than the manuscripts that they have for the Thousand and One Nights. But there is no way of knowing which of these story collections came first. Right. So there are tales that are unique to Tales of the Marvelous and News of the Strange in that they are unique that they don't show up in the Thousand and One Nights. Not that they don't have any other relation to other tales. So it has some like original stories that you won't get in the Thousand and One Nights. And then some of the tales are the same, which, again, super fascinating that we can like, like, oh. Look, they're the same. And so- And how
0: how different are they between the different collections?
1: So one thing that has been noted in reading through um, Tales of the Marvelous and News of the Strange is that it is slightly more racist, more raunchy and overall problematic (laughs) than the Knights, which is really saying something. Oh, yeah. Um. But also it has some issues with how it was written where there are like weird inconsistencies like within the writing itself uh-huh. where just the stories aren't as like finessed and like fleshed out as they are in The Thousand and One Nights. Right. Which is interesting because in a past episode, we talked about how it was believed that. The writers for the Thousand and One Nights, if it was like one collector trying to create like a master piece, Mm -hmm. that they like, you know, worked on the, the stories like there was some craft behind it. Right. And I mean, it's even been noted that if you look at the different manuscripts... For the nights, some of the stories are a little more finessed, and then some of them are written in a completely different style, where it's a little rougher and less finessed. But the Tales of the Marvelous and News of the Strange, to me, kind of points to that, that what we have of the Thousand and One Nights slowly got more finessed and, like, poetry added. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that, I feel like, is the major difference between... What I read in Tales of the Marvelous and News of the Strange's version of Jul'Nar of the Sea and the Thousand and One Nights version of Jul'Nar of the Sea is that there's a lot more fancy language, descriptive points, and, like, poetry.
2: Okay.
1: There are a couple other, like, small elements that I'm planning on pointing out inside, like, as we're going through the story. Yeah. In Jul'Nar of the Sea, one of the weirdish elements of the writing. If you are reading it from the copy, I'm, it's not going to be a problem when I'm retelling it because halfway through the story, it switches into a first person narrative.
0: (laughs) Just like randomly.
1: Yeah. For like no reason. It's just suddenly this, like one character starts just talking from his perspective. Um, (laughs) When the rest of the story That was not the case. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And that's one of those things that's just interesting. And so I would just say to anybody, like if you're interested in getting a copy of Tales of the Marvelous and News of the Strange uh, from Penguin Classics, if you're doing it for like a pleasure read, uh, like, you know, just be advised that, yeah, it's slightly more racist, raunchy and overall problematic. (laughs) And that like, since it's a translation and not a like a, a reworking and a reimagining, they included all of those kind of like weirdnesses yeah. where there, there are like plot holes in some places that don't make sense or characters seem to repeat some of the actions that they had done before. Like because it's a translation, it it's not completely clean. Yeah. Because it was written in like Several hundred years ago, between one thousand and six hundred years ago. So, so if you're getting it for a pleasure read, eh, maybe don't. Uh, but if research purposes, yes, we're so lucky to live in a time when it's been translated into English, and so like it is accessible for English speakers. Nice. So, I for the most part am going to be using an outline, and when I quote it will be from tales of the marvelous and news of the strange i might add in some of the poetry from the arabian nights because there were sections of poetry that i really appreciated that's one thing that i've been surprised at how much i'm enjoying is some of the poetry that's included in the thousand and one nights Not just the raunchy poetry, (laughs) but like some of the like some of the beautiful poetry, like the love the love poetry. I'm like, this is like this is beautiful.
2: Oh, nice.
1: Yeah, that's like not what I was expecting from these like really old stories. So one of the first differences between the Thousand and One Nights version and Tales of Marvelous and News of the Strange is that there once was a king. And in Tales of the Marvelous, News of the Strange, his name is Shariar, just like Shahrazad's husband. Husband, yeah. But in the Thousand and One Nights, his name has been changed. The King in the Tale <laughs> of Jul'Nar of the Sea. I'm like, oh, that's interesting, because they're like, oh, can't have, can't have all these Shariars in here.
0: It'll get a little confusing, but that's also really interesting too when you think about the frame story of the Thousand and One Nights. Because we talked about how Scheherazade was someone that had read all of these other collections of tales. If we're assuming that Tales of the Marvelous and News of the Strange is older than The Thousand and One Nights, it's presumed that she had probably read that collection. She was familiar with the story and she's like, oh, he has the same name as my husband. (laughs) I may want to change that and put my own name on it. His name is Steve. (laughs)
1: King, King Steve.
0: <laughs> but no, but that is super fascinating. Just like for th- the many reasons, the reason of, of course, it would be super confusing if they had the same name as like the main king and the frame story of it. But also yeah. for like this reason within the story of like, maybe she knew this tale from there and she was retelling yeah. it and she was the <laughs> one that changed the name. I don't know. Indeed. Levels, layers.
1: Levels, layers, like an onion. Shrek. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if you think about it, Shrek is the news of the wonderful the Tales of the Strange of our day.
1: So there was once a king named Shariar that was married to a hundred concubines, but none of them could give him a son, whether he slept with them for a day, a week, or a year. Which this is another difference in the nights. Is that in the Thousand and One Nights, it says they wouldn't give him a son or a daughter. So, which leads me to think like, buddy, you might be the problem. And also if they weren't, if they were only having daughters and no sons, also that's on him, but they didn't know that back then. (laughs) That's new science, new-ish.
0: Newer than the thousand one (laughs) nights. Newer than the
1: thousand one nights for sure. So he was often grieving because he worried that whatever greatness he had achieved. He couldn't achieve his ultimate dream if he did not have an heir to his throne. One day, his servant came to him and said, there is a merchant in the courtyard. He has a beautiful woman that he wants to sell to you. Are you interested? And King Shariar, always interested in possibly (laughs) impregnating somebody, (laughs) was like, Yes, please bring her in. Let us see her. So the servant went out and relayed the message. And the merchant came in with a woman who was veiled. And King Sharyar had her unveil her face so that he could see her. And when he saw her, she had in Tales of Marvelous News of the Strange, the most beautiful face reflecting a youthful charm with seven pleats or braids like horse's tails that swept down to her ankles but one thing that i like in the thousand and one nights is it said i fell in love with her in the perfection of her beauty crowned as it was by calmness and by dignity oh i was like i love that what he saw as like her crowning beauty was her calmness and her dignity right I was like Like
0: personality traits rather than just physical attributes instead of her long horsey hair.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That, that, I mean, the, the hair is included in her description in this too, but like, I just love that. Yeah. That was like a stated thing. So when the King saw like how beautiful this woman was, he immediately paid the price that the merchant was offering for this woman. And she was taken by the other servant women to prepare her for marriage and a wedding night. (laughs) So the man was paid. He went off and the King went into her room and the King ruled a coastal city that was known as white city and his castle overlooked the sea. And so when he walked into her room, to see her he saw her standing by the window staring out at the sea so he came over to her and he was trying to make conversation with her and she seemed really interested in what he was saying but she wasn't saying anything back to him Uh so he called to the servants to prepare a fine dinner for them to eat a big feast and so the tables were laid and She sat down and there was all this like opulence of food and they ate together. And the whole time he was talking to her, trying to get (laughs) things going and she didn't speak at all. She seemed amicable and friendly, but she wasn't talking. She wasn't saying anything. Yeah. But he could still tell that like that she was interested in him and he still was enjoying her company. That's the power of body language. (laughs) Which I use a quote from the little mermaid purposefully here. (laughs) So uh, the king had a band come in, lots of musical instruments, and there were dancers that came in. And so they listened to this music and watched these people dance. And again, the woman seemed pleased to be there uh, but she wasn't talking she wasn't saying anything and so when darkness fell over the castle and the band went away and the king and this woman were alone they had intimate relations <laughs> is that more awkward than just saying they had sex they slept yeah. with each other that's a good one they slept with each other. And what I do want to point out is that it seemed that both parties were cool with it. They both wanted this to happen. That's important to me, story-wise. Yeah. And it's not just implied by me. It's there. So <laughs> we're good. But still, the whole time, the woman was silent. So after a year of this... <laughs> so, like, over a year, this woman quickly occupied the top place in this man's heart and he devoted his entire attention to her and trying to make her feel happy and comfortable there it says he abandoned all of his other concubines and all he wanted in the world was her and so after a year of this he went to her and her room and he sat before her and he said Heart's desire my kingdom is not worth a single speck of dust to me in comparison with the joy my heart has experienced since you have been here. And then he says that he, this whole time had been like praying to God that he would be able to be granted a son so that he had somebody to take authority and rule over his kingdom. And that is his only grief in the world, but she has brought him so much happiness by like being with him. Oh, it's very sweet.
2: Yeah.
0: Super sweet.
1: So when the woman heard this, she looked down and she listened to him and then she looked up and she said, peace be on you. O King. And Shariar was so shocked after a year (laughs) to hear this woman, like say something to him that he was like, like, Oh my goodness. It's a miracle. (laughs) Like what a blessed day. And she was like, it is a blessed day because I have decided to speak to you now that I know that I am pregnant with your child and that you have given me your whole heart. And she says, I cannot promise you if it is a son or a daughter. Fair. (laughs) Like, but I'm so glad that I know you. And he was like, my dear I'm so happy to hear you speak. Tell me, what is your name? And she says, my name is Julnar of the Sea because I am the daughter of the sea and I have a brother and family that live there. And he was like, what, what, what? (laughs) Like, like, tell me more, my love. So she goes on to explain that, like, one day her and her brother had gotten into a fight. It doesn't say what their fight was about, but they had gotten into this fight, this argument with each other. And she had decided to leave the the sea and go up on land to, like, get away from her brother that she had been quarreling with. And once she got onto land she was quickly like seized by this like gross old dude (laughs) who was like oh like i want to be with this woman she's so pretty and so when that man had come to her at night she had beaten the crap out of him.
0: (laughs) You go, girl.
1: (laughs) Which I'm like, yes. It said like she beat him nearly to the point of death. And I'm like, why stop, girl? (laughs) (laughs) And so the man immediately realizing he didn't want anything to do with this woman um, (laughs) quickly sold her to the merchant who had then, you know, like traveled inland and she couldn't escape away from right. him but that merchant they had been traveling together for a long time over a year through the deserts and they had come back to this shore city and so she had allowed herself to be sold to this man who lived on this coastal palace so that she could escape back into the sea
0: ah uh.
1: but when she had gotten into the palace and had seen how kind and generous and like wonderful this king Shariar was she had decided to stay and she said that if i had ever at one moment wanted to leave you i would have just jumped into the sea because it was right there (laughs) which i'm like i love that because it lets me know that like everything that was going down she was like there for it and in charge but she did not want to speak to him until she knew where his heart lay so it said, had I not liked you and wanted to stay with you, I would simply have dived into the sea and gone back to my family. But I fell in love with you. It's like,
2: oh. Yeah.
1: But then she also said, if I had wanted to spend three years without saying a single word, I could have done so. <laughs> so it was purely it was purely like a test of like, I guess his love for her. She wanted yeah. to know that he truly loved her more than like any other before she would like speak to him. But then he, obviously, King Shariar was like in shock. Yeah. And completely astonished. And he was like, "Julnar, how is it that people can live below the sea? And she said, we make a talisman with the names that are on the seal of Solomon, son oh of David.
0: Oh my gosh. Oh snap, we're back to <laughs> Solomon. We know what that's about. We and if you don't, you need to listen to... Episode 45, where we talk about the Ginny in a bottle, because we talk about the Seal of Solomon in that one and learn all about why that's a thing. But yeah. Oh, my gosh. Fascinating.
1: Yeah. So she says, so we make talismans with the names that are on the Seal of Solomon, son of David. And we either construct this as a ring or as an amulet to be worn on the shoulder. And then when we walk in the paths of the sea, the water cannot reach us. And whether we are on land or underwater is the same for us. So basically it Ah, creates this like air bubble bubble. around them. So instead of them being like half fish, half human, they're like, they look like full human. Yeah. But because of this magic from King Solomon that they know these like talismans and they have like his seal on either a ring or whatever. They're able to like move the water around them so they can have a kingdom under the sea.
0: That's super cool. It's
1: so cool. So Shariar, obviously, still super astonished by this, but also very aesthetic because his wife was pregnant and he's hoping it's his son. Uh So as the days go on, she is getting closer and closer to giving birth to her baby. And so she told King Shariar that if she was going to give birth to her baby, she had to have no earth dwellers in the room with her when she had the baby, but she needed to be surrounded by her family. And so she asked him if it would be okay if she invited her family to be there with her when she gave birth to this baby. And of course, the king, loving his wife, wanting to do anything that Julnar asked him, agreed And she was like, "Okay, the first thing that you need to do, though, is that you need to, like, go and hide somewhere because, like, I need to talk this out with my family before they see you so that they don't, you know, freak (laughs) out, think that you kidnapped me and murder you for no reason. Um, (laughs) And he was like, yeah, that definitely sounds like a great plan. (laughs) <laughs> so he went and he hid himself and she it says she removed from her shoulder the amulet that was containing the talisman i don't know how she i'm like i'm not sure how that contraption worked whether it was yeah. like something a a clothing or some microchip implanted. <laughs> but somehow she did that and She filled a bowl with fire and charcoal, and she threw some, like, powder into the fire that she had created, and then she whistled thrice. (laughs) She whistled three times, and then out of the window, King Shariar could see the sea starting to part. And a handsome man with a green beard and hair looking like the moon accompanied with an old woman who also had green flowing hair together with five maidens came out of the water and swam. It says swam up. But I mean, the water is also parting. So I don't know. But swam up to the palace window and the man with the green beard, he called out and said, who is it that has called us? And she says, here I am, brother. And he immediately came out of the water and went over to the window and grabbed his sister and embraced her and said, sister, I am so sorry for the quarrel that we had. We have been looking for you all these years that you've been gone. Are you okay? What has happened? Do you want to come with us? And she quickly explains to him what all had happened to her, but that she is now uh, married to a wonderful man who loves her deeply and that she's pregnant with his child. And the brother like leans out the window and calls up for the old lady with the green hair and the five maidens. He calls (laughs) up to them and tells them to come up for he's found their missing daughter, Julnar. And so this old woman who is Julnar's mother comes up and she is breathing flames out of her mouth <laughs> and the sockets of her eyes. And she is like, who has been hiding you here?
0: Oh man. Yeah, like a mom would be. <laughs> yeah,
1: that she's like, I'm gonna get him. So Julnar quickly like explains, like, no, 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 like I was taken by a bad person and led back to this castle. And I was married to like this wonderful man and he's taken really good care of me. He hasn't done anything wrong. I'm pregnant with his baby and I wanted you to be here with me for that. And the mother quickly like calms down, you know, flames go back into her mouth
2: (laughs) and her eyeballs.
1: So Julnar turned to her brother and the mother and the brother were both like, If you're happy with this king, that's all we want for you. If you are loved and taken care of here, that makes us completely happy. Please, can we see this man who you have married? And Julnar said, of course. And she went to where King Shariar was hiding, seeing him tremble like a leaf because of what he had just witnessed. Which I'm like, (laughs) fair enough. Like if my mother-in-law was breathing from her mouth, I also would be trembling a little bit.
2: Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> and it says, I know that you love me, but I'm afraid of this old woman. <laughs> 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 like, fair enough. But she says, no, no harm will come to you. As long as I am here with you, you have nothing to fear from land or sea. And so he goes out to meet his in-laws. And what I love is they say, Master, take and keep this unique pearl, jewelnar of the Sea, which I'm like, "Oh." A pearl, that makes sense, because it's in the ocean. <laughs> they said all of the kings of the sea, all of the rulers of the sea, have wanted to marry her, but she would accept none of them because she was waiting for the right person. And so I'm like, oh, what a love story. So Sharyar thanked them for their kindness and told them that Julnar was all he ever wanted in the world. And he is so grateful that he has her and is like, come, let us have a feast. So they start having like this big feast. And then Julnar's brother, he brings this like giant, like chest of treasures and gems and like just all this precious material. And is like, here, this is our gift for you. And King Shariar is like, I don't know what to do with this. I have nothing to give you back because like what you've just given me is worth more than like anything that I like currently own. So I don't know like what to give you in return to show you like how grateful I am for this gift that like you've just given me. And they were like, oh, to us, this is nothing like under the sea. It's not really like worth that much. If you want, we'll just keep bringing you more of this like if you want. And he's like, yeah, sure. That sounds great. So they spent several very pleasant days like all together enjoying like each other's company until Julnar went into labor and was about to have her baby. And so she told her husband that he would need to go somewhere else because he couldn't be there because he is a land dweller. And so he went to another room, but he made sure to go into another room where he could look down out of a small window and see into the room that she was in uh-huh. so it said he looked out of a window that was only as big as the palm of his hand and he could only use one side of his face so he's like looking with one eyeball like waiting <laughs> and so julnar was being taken care of by all of these like family members and attendants that were helping her and then when she gave birth it was a boy beautiful like the rising sun
2: oh
1: oh and so their cheers of joy could be heard by King Shariar in the room that he was in. And he could see them taking the baby and it says anointing him with a white substance and perfuming him with something strange. And then his uncle, Jolnar's brother from before, now they give him a name, Salhi. Salhi takes the baby boy that they've named Badir And he leaps into the sea with the baby. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Which King Shariar was immediately (laughs) horrified (laughs) (laughs) to see them just- My baby! Yeah, just like wrap up this little baby and then like jump into the sea. (laughs) Um, And so- uh, King Shariar, nervous and scared. He's up in the room just, like, watching his baby, like, his son, the first child yeah. that we know of. Because I never mentioned him having any other daughters, but like I said at the beginning. But anyway, watching his first child get, like, plunged into the ocean. So he's kind of beside himself. But then after a time, Salhi and little baby Badir... Come back up out of the water, and this time the baby is wearing a necklace made of pearls as big as pigeon's eggs.
2: <laughs>
1: so Jolnar's brother, Salhi, gave Badir back to his mother, and she thanked him for what he had done to make it so that Badir could be a child of the land and the sea. Because that's why he'd taken him down there was so that he could do all of the kind of like talisman rituals, whatever, that needed to be done so that he could be like a child of the sea. Yeah. And then Jul'nar took little baby Bidir, and she took him to King Shariar and she said, May God delight you, your majesty, with the sight of this great king, the fierce lion, and may he grant you good fortune and illuminate your guiding star. I love the wording in this. It's like so beautiful. And so immediately King Shariar just, you know, started like crying and giving prayers of thanks and congratulated Julnar on the excellent labor (laughs) and delivery (laughs) that she had done, which I'm like, good as all men should say, thank you. So he kissed his child and opened the doors to show his servants and everyone his beautiful baby boy that he was so happy to have. And the citizens could hear how excited he was. The king was distributing money. Everything was fantastic, wonderful, perfect. Julnar's mother and brother stayed for a little while, and then they left back to the sea. And it said, but every ten days, her brother would return to visit her. He would bring more of those gifts that he had promised the king. That he would bring those like jewels yeah. and yeah. But Salhi would also take Bidir down into the sea with him for a time, and then bring him back to the surface and. This made Shariar a little nervous every time <laughs> he saw his boy get plunged into the ocean. And he asked that after a time, that kind of stopped happening. And Jul'Nar said, we only need to do it until he is five years of age. And so King Shariar agreed to continue to let his little baby get t- taken
2: <laughs> Take it down into, into the, the ocean
1: every 10 days for whatever reason that needed to happen. They don't go into like what exactly was going on down there, but I guess it was very important. So after those five years, they stopped taking him down into the sea as often. But also the boy started to grow up and be... Learned and schooled in the ways of uh, all the things that a king would need to know. So writing the Quran and the art of horsemanship. Those are the three most important
2: things. Can't forget (laughs) it.
1: So by the time he was 15 years old, he was a great writer, an excellent fighter, and... One day, King Shariar went out hunting, and then when he came back to his palace, he saw his son Badir sitting on his throne, exercising, like it says, with great force and command, the authority that... He was innately born with this <laughs> like greatness. And King Sharyar, he immediately fell down on the ground and was just giving gratitude to God. And in tears, Julnar found him. And he said this, which I absolutely love, because Julnar came and she was like, why are you crying? Like, what's wrong? Are you upset? And he's, he said, has God not led you to weep when he has given you what you have asked of him? And I'm like, oh, that's so beautiful. <laughs> Cause it is like for me, I think about just like it took me a really, really long time to have kids. Yeah. And or it felt really long to me since it was like several years and a lot of interventions. Yeah. And it was like I would just look at my son and I would cry because I was just like so thankful that like the the thing that like I had wanted had like happened. Um, so yeah, I just thought that was beautiful, beautiful, like, hasn't God led you to weep when he has given you what you've asked. So King Shariar went to his son and he said, God willing, tomorrow morning, I will resign power and pass it to you, my son, so that you might not be hurt by any chance after I have died. Because he didn't want there to be a problem where if he died, there was any argument over where the line of command should like pass. Yeah. And it was not, but a few days that went by before King Shahryar died and everyone was in deep mourning, but Badir no longer baby Badir. Now <laughs> King Badir was ready and able to like reign over this kingdom with all of the help that he had, both from land and sea. <laughs> So, not long after that, Salhi came to visit his sister, Julnar, and ask how his nephew was doing. And Julnar asked her brother if he knew of any sea princesses that might be willing to marry her son because she was starting to think it was about that time that he, (laughs) you know, think about settling down, getting married, having some kids. And so her brother started to think, and he, you know, was kind of going through the list of, like, princesses that he knew in the different sea kingdoms. (laughs) And as he was, like, naming them... Julnar was like, no, I've met her. Ew, no, not her. Mm, no, that's not right. Not for my son. Mm-mm, no, not that one. As is, you know, this queen's right and duty to like poo-poo all these like other women. <laughs> Just be like, Mm-mm, not her, no, gross. Not
0: good enough for my boy.
1: Yeah, not good enough for my boy. So her brother saw he, he he said, okay, I can think of like one other princess who is more beautiful than any others, but is your son asleep? Because if I were to talk about her while he is awake, he will immediately fall in love with
2: even the (laughs) description (laughs) of this woman
1: and terrible things could happen. And so Julnar went and looked at her son and she's like, oh no, no, he's asleep. We can talk. But, dun-dun-dun, Badir (laughs) was pretending to be asleep. (laughs) Oh no, there was all that love story up front that everything was going really, really well. Everything is perfect. It's falling into place. Like no, <laughs> now everything's going horrible, just like in a Muppet movie. So, so he was like, okay, so there's one girl that I have not mentioned and her name is Jahara. There is one girl, Jahara, who is the daughter of samandal the supreme king of the sea there's no match on land or sea for beauty radiance and perfection <laughs> almighty god created beauty in 90 parts and granted her 89 of them <laughs> i'm like ooh
0: yeah what's the one that she was lacking that's what i want to know
1: <laughs> common sense
0: No, that's too bad. no
1: oh sorry <clears throat> we'll get to meet her in a minute she's not my favorite <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i've been trying to think of like how i want to kind of like recast some of the actions that this woman makes later on that makes me deal with how the story ends it's fine we all have some emotional growth to go to and this is it's okay oh and Julnar was like oh yes i've seen her you're right like there is no one as beautiful as her she is like absolutely radiant she'd be the perfect Bride for my son because, like, you know, he is so wonderful, beautiful, marvelous. He has to marry his equal in all things. And then Sully is like, okay, yeah, but that's true. But there is no one more stupid or violent than her father. (laughs) (laughs) So don't tell your son about any of this until after I've kind of secured a plan and so julnar was like of course i won't tell my son about this i don't want him going off and doing anything rash or stupid
2: <laughs> oh, no. that
1: would be terrible <laughs> so after they'd finished having that conversation of course badir who had been faking being asleep stayed up the whole night because after hearing about this wonderful woman he knew that his heart could never have any other uh. and so he was just making himself heartsick with how much he wanted this woman just from the description that he had fallen in love with <laughs> and so the next morning when salhi was like okay i'm going back into the sea i'll see you guys around and julnar's like make sure to take care of that thing i told you about and salhi was like definitely wink Badir was like, oh, uncle, let me walk you to the edge of the sea. I'll go with you. And Salhi was like, oh, there's no reason for this. I don't know why you would need to do this. And he's like, no, i just like to be with you, uncle. I'm going to spend some time with you. And he was like, oh, okay, that's totally fine. Let's go. So when they got to the coast, he was like, okay, bye. And he jumped into the water. And then Badir jumped with him and so he turned around he's like what are you doing and he's like i heard everything last night and i'm going (laughs) with you to find this beautiful woman jahara and the uncle was like oh no 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 this is like a really bad idea you have no idea her dad is like crazy violent stupid not like great he he has turned down every single other Prince under the sea, and like, I I just don't know. And Badir was like, No, my mother is Julnar of the sea, and my father was King Shariar of the White City. There's no way that there can be a match for Jahara like me anywhere under the sea. (laughs) So his uncle was like, Okay, I have a plan, but you're going to need to have this for safety so that you will have like God's eye on you while you are under the sea. And he produced a ring inscribed with all the names found on the signet of Solomon, son of David on whom be peace. And he handed him the ring and was like, keep this with you at all times. And here's our plan. So his uncle said, what our plan is, is I'm going to go in and I'm going to ask nicely (laughs) for Jahara's hand in marriage. And, If her dad, the king, says no, and he gets crazy violent and stupid, I am going to call on the powers of the sea to go into battle against them, and we will capture him, and we will make him give you his daughter, Jahara, whether he likes it or not. (laughs) And, of course, Vadir's like, this sounds like a great plan. So... (laughs) The next day, Zalhi went to grab a bunch of chests of sapphires and gems and all these other precious things, and he went to the palace of Samandal. So when he entered, Samandal was like, Oh my goodness, you brought me so many nice things. That's great. I love nice things. (laughs) And Zalhi was like, Good, that's what I like to hear. So I was wondering... I know you've been having problems finding somebody that's a worthy match for your daughter. And I was wondering if you'd be interested in maybe her marrying my nephew, King Badir of the White City, son of Julnar the Seaborn. And Zamandal was like, Oh, no, I absolutely hate that. <laughs> How dare you? My daughter is the most, it says, unique queen of the ages. My daughter is the most beautiful woman in the whole world, and I will chop off the head of anybody who wants to get anywhere close to my daughter. (laughs) And so... Zalhi was like, oh, I'm sorry that you said that. Um, I'm going to leave really, really quickly. Here, take this gold. No problem. I'll just leave. So Zalhi starts to leave and to go. And Zamandal was like, good. I almost had to kill that guy because he was being (laughs) so impertinent. But meanwhile, the uncle was going back so that he, again, could get that army of his ready to attack. But when he gets back to his palace, he realizes that Badir is gone.
0: Nowhere to be found. Oh, Badir.
1: Because did Badir stay put? No, Badir did not stay put because, like, what is this, Romeo and Juliet?
2: (laughs) 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 Like,
1: some kid who's like, no, I can't even stand it. I've decided I'm going to do a bunch of dumb things instead. So, Badir had gone up to an island that was nearby, the kingdom of Jahara, Because he wanted to be really close by when the battle commenced. So he was hiding up on this island in this tree. And Zalhi, not knowing where Badir was, was like, okay, we're just going to have to attack immediately in case he's already inside the city like being murdered by like this like stupid <laughs> king. Cause I don't know what my nephew is up to. I don't know what he's doing. So they immediately start to attack the city and they quickly are able to take control of that underwater city and they capture the king. But Jahara is nowhere to be found inside of the city oh, because no. when they saw the city starting to get attacked, yeah. Jahara and her Attending maidens immediately decided to get out of there. So they had gone up to the island that Badir was hiding <laughs> on. It says, as fate would have it, they sat down to rest under the tree that Badir was up hiding in, which I love it because all of this is always about like as fate would have it. Yeah. So when Badir saw princess jahara underneath his tree he immediately lost all (laughs) self-control and exclaimed glory to god who created this girl by god she is so lovely that i have never seen anyone to match her in beauty and immediately princess jahara like looks up and is like who is saying that like who is talking (laughs) And so Badir comes down out of the tree and when Princess Jahara saw him, she asked him who he was and he said, I am King Badir, son of Julnar of the Sea. And Princess Jahara went up to him, and she pulled him close, it said, so that his muscles trembled. And she spat water into his face and said, leave the shape and become a white bird with red legs and a beak.
2: And immediately he was transformed
1: (laughs) into a bird. This girl was having none of it.
0: (laughs) She's like used to being harassed by men on the street or wherever she goes, that she just like (laughs) take that.
1: Yeah, she's like, absolutely not. (laughs) Okay, maybe, maybe that's what makes me like her a little bit more. Because yeah, this guy just out of nowhere is like, hey, Hottie, I like you. And she's like, oh, come here, come here. I want to talk to you for a second. Not, I'm turning (laughs) you into a bird. (laughs) So she grabbed this Badir bird. (laughs) <laughs> and she handed it to one of her attendants and she was like take him to it was called the waterless island which i think is hilarious because islands <laughs> well okay no because she wanted him to not have any water uh-huh. to drink so that he would slowly dehydrate to death i guess was like her master plan yeah. so i guess Even though it's an island that's waterless, you can't drink the salt water. So I guess, yeah. Okay, it makes sense. I'm sorry, I misjudged her. Um, And this whole story. Um, So she hands the Badir bird to her attendant and says, take him to the waterless island so that he can go there and perish. Um, So the attendant, when she went to take him there, she felt so bad about it. And she, like... She didn't want him to die. She was like, "Oh, this makes me feel bad." Yeah, so, it's like,
0: he deserved to be turned into a bird. He doesn't deserve to die.
1: Yes. So she decided to take him to another island instead, that was covered with fruits and other good, delicious things for him to eat. And she left him there, and you know, hoped her mistress wouldn't find out about it, <laughs> as they do. Meanwhile, Julnar is back on land. In the White City, and she cannot find her son, Badir, anywhere. So she's starting to become distressed and she wonders if he had heard the conversation she'd had with her brother the night before. So she dives into the ocean and goes to her brother's palace to ask if he has heard anything at all about her son. So she gets there and she's like, I can't find him anywhere. Do you know where he is? And her brother was like I don't know he was supposed to be here now he's gone I've taken possession of this city so now I'm kind of like king over this whole situation since I've like overthrown this guy I don't know what to do but you need to go back up to the white city because it is without a ruler without Badir you need to hold it down I will keep doing what I can to try to find Badir so she very hesitantly decides to go back to the white city and assume the throne while she waits for her son to be found. So that's where Julnar is. So back to Badir. He's on this island, not knowing what to do. And off in the distance, he sees these pigeons and they look like they've found something delicious to eat. And so he decides that he's going to go find out what they're eating because maybe he can have some too not realizing that what the pigeons were eating was food that was part of a trap to Uh. catch birds to eat them. So quickly he flies over and he starts to eat some good food and a hunter throws a net over them and captures him along with all the other pigeons. But when the hunter sees what he has inside of his net, this beautiful rare bird he'd never seen before, he was like, you know what? This bird is worth more alive than dead. I can try to sell him. So he takes Badir and goes to the king and is like, oh, I found this beautiful bird. He would be a gift to you, king, if you would like such a wonderful bird. And the king was like, that is quite a lovely and delightful bird. (laughs) I would like a bird. And so he pays the man a... Like, some money as, I love this thing with, like, kings and stuff where they present them with stuff and they're like, this is a gift for you. And the king's like, oh, thank you so much, and gives them money as <laughs> thank you. It's
0: like That's just <laughs> called buying stuff, dude.
1: Yeah, it's just called buying stuff with, like, extra steps of, like, decorum. But anyway, so the king buys this bird and he's like, wow, this is like the prettiest bird I've ever seen in the world. I'm going to put him in this big, beautiful, ornate cage and it is going to be lovely. So he puts the Badir bird inside of this big, ornate, beautiful cage (laughs) and he gives him some like bird food and drink and Badir is just like so depressed. And upset, <laughs> and he doesn't want this crappy bird food and he doesn't want this crappy bird drink. He is like in this ugly cage and he's upset. So he's like refusing to take water or food. So after a couple of days, the king is like really worried because he's like, oh, this is such a beautiful bird, but I don't know what he eats or like what he wants. <laughs> so scared <laughs> I'm going to kill this bird. And so this one day the bird is there and the king it has this like feast brought out this like wonderful food. And Badir is like super hungry and he sees all this beautiful food. So he starts like tapping at the cage and the king opens up the cage and Badir hops out and he starts eating up all the food. It's funny. Cause he's eating like roast chicken. It's like, <laughs> bird cannibalism. <laughs> so he's eating like this, like, roast chicken and all this like really nice like fruit and like baked goods and all this stuff and the king is like oh I guess this uh, bird has expensive taste (laughs) what a delightful bird and the king goes to take a drink of wine and the bird hops over and it starts drinking it And the king is laughing. He thinks this is so funny that like this bird has like this like high quality taste. So he calls his wife into the room and is like, honey, come in here. You have to see this. You have to see this bird. It's being so funny. So she walks into the room with her face unveiled. And when she sees the Badir bird, she immediately puts the veil over her face. And the king is like, why are you veiling yourself in front of a bird? (laughs) And she's like, your majesty, this bird is Bedir, the son of Jul'nar of the sea, who has been enchanted by the daughter of Samandal, the supreme king of the sea. (laughs) Which I'm like, wow, she's really intuitive. Uh, (laughs) But it's funny because it's like, this is one of those like familiar tale elements that we've seen before of like, A woman walking into the room and being like, oh, my gosh, don't you know that this is, like, um, a man man? in the form of an animal? For some reason, all the women in the knights just, like, know when they're in front of, like, a real animal or, like, a A man man magically turned into an animal. (laughs) They're like, "Uh uh-uh, not today. And the king was, like, astonished. And he was like, oh, my goodness, can you do something to release him from the spell? And she's like, of course I can. (laughs) And she said, but I've made a promise with the girl who bewitched him that I wouldn't break any of the spells that she does if she won't break any of mine. And the king was like, okay, I think you have to break it at least like this one time. (laughs) And she was like, ugh, okay. So she grabs a red shawl and she covers up the Badir bird with it. She lit a fire that produced lots of like vapors. And then she sprinkled water over the bird and then unwrapped the shawl. And there was Badir (laughs) in his full dude form, just feeling way awkward, I bet. And the king immediately was like, oh, my goodness, Badir, I'm so sorry. If I knew that it was you, I never would have put you in a cage. That was really weird. Sorry about that stuff. That's messed up. I'm going to get you a ship immediately to take you, like, back to your home. I'm sorry about that. That was a weird, like, my bad, and Badir was like, "No, no, no, like like thank you so much. I'm very indebted to you for like helping me and figuring out and saving me. This is great, so they prepared him a ship, and they put him on the ship and it it set sail, ready to go off. But on the eleventh day of the sea voyage, the winds came up, and a giant storm came and dashed the boat <sighs> on the mountains and it broke apart, and he was able to climb on a plank of like wood to float in the ocean because Rose wasn't also.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> there was enough room for both of them. No, <laughs> I've never seen Titanic.
2: I a kid,
1: I believe you. Anyway,
0: he's floating on a plank.
1: So he's floating on this plank, and he's floating for a couple of days, and finally on the fourth day, he sees. An island with a beautiful city, and there's a lot of like. There it says there's. I want you to remember this number: ten thousand, ten thousand camels, horses, mules, and cows, all like on the outside of like this part of the island. And I say starts to float closer to the island and he is like about to like climb onto the island all of these animals come over and they're kicking him pushing him back into the water <laughs> and he's like what in the world so no matter how much he's trying to like get onto the island yeah. all, these 10,000 camels horses <laughs> mules and cows were just like nope 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 pushing him like back into the water and so he had to like float around pretty much half of the island before he got away from all of that livestock <laughs> and made it to kind of this abandoned beach area. So he climbed up onto the island and he started walking to the city gate and he didn't see anybody along his way until all of a sudden he came upon, in this story, it was a green grocer. So mm-hmm. the, the shopkeeper. Yeah. A, yes. A market man. That's what they're <laughs> called. Market <men. laughs> A grocer. Somebody who sells the Vegetables. You know what I mean? A farmer's market man.
0: Yeah. He came upon the farmer's market.
1: Who was sitting and just like cooking some beans. (laughs) And the guy, the guy kind of like looks up at him Epidere, and does this like double take and was like, Oh my gosh, have you met anybody else in the city yet? And he was like, no, you're the first person I've come across. And the guy was like, oh my goodness, get inside now. Oh my gosh, what are you doing? And so he like pushes Badir inside and he sees Badir, you know, has obviously been through a lot after (laughs) being in like the water. So he's like feeding him some food and he was like, He was like, Oh my goodness. How did you get here? What's going on? So Badir told him like the whole story of like, what had been going on with him. And he said, I wanted to come up to the Island from this other part of the sea, but all these like horses, cows and camels, there was more than 10,000 of them. And they like stopped me or like, push me back into the water. And he was like, no, sir, this is a city of magicians with a tyrannical sorceress queen. The horses, mules, cows, and camels that you saw were all men that she slept with (laughs) and then transformed into animals when she was done with them.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: All 10,000 of them. It was done out of pity that they were trying to push you back into the water. They did not want you to come to this place. And Badir was like, oh my gosh, like what am I going to do now? And the grocer was like, okay, so I want you to just like follow my lead. We will figure out how to get you like off of this Island. Just like play it cool. Okay. And he's like, okay. But pretty soon this like large group of people were in a procession came down the street and the procession stopped and a woman leaned out and she said, Abdallah, which was the name of the uh, grocer, she was like, Abdallah, is this a captive of yours? And he was like, oh, no, 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 this is uh, is my nephew, and I sent for him, because I'm starting to get older, and I'm living alone, and I don't have any son or family, so he's just, like, here to, like, help me out and stuff. He is my nephew, not a stranger, my nephew, I know him, (laughs) we're very close. (laughs) And she was like, oh, that's interesting, he's so good looking oh she's like i'm struck by his appearance and i would like you to hand him over to me Uh uh-oh so he says i will give him to you queen but first swear to me that you will do no harm to him and she was like yes i swear it and he's like and anytime he wants to come and see me you will let him come and see me and she was like yes of course i'll let him do that and she and he was like, "Okay, can I talk to him first about something?" <laughs> and she was like, "By all means, talk to him." And so when they had him in alone, he's like, "'Okay, listen, this woman is an evil woman named Lab, which means royal son, son as in like blue the s u n s u n yes When she finds someone whom she admires, she takes him and enjoys him for 40 days without transforming him into the shape of some animal. And after 40 days, she will turn him into an animal and send him off to the shore. And then she starts looking for the next person. So before the 40 days is over, you need to come back to me And you need to keep your wits about you because I need you to tell me any odd behavior that she has that could give us a clue as to how she's turning people into animals. Can you do that? And Badir is like, um, I guess. And he says very confidently, no harm will come to you as she will not dare to lift a hand against you while I'm alive as she thinks that you are my nephew. (laughs) Which I don't know why he was that confident. The story does not play out that he should be that confident. <laughs> so then Abdallah takes Badir out and says, take him Queen Lob, and send him back when you have had enough of him. So the queen's like, thank you. Puts Badir on a horse and they ride to the Royal Palace. So when they reach the Royal Palace, they went in and he was amazed at how beautiful it was. It was like a paradise. Everything, the walls were plated with gold, and all around them were statues of women, each holding a musical instrument. And so they sat down on a dais, and they had food brought to them, and women came and were playing instruments. It says, as they ate, she put spoonfuls of food into his mouth, and he kissed her hand until they had had enough. Oh. I'm like... But dear buddy, you know she's gonna <laughs> turn you into a horse or a mule or a camel, right? Um, like, why are you? Okay, all right. He's like, you only live once. <laughs> I'm like, okay, buddy. So they were eating and drinking until dark, and it. I think this is like really cool. It's not pertinent to, like, the story, but, like, as it started to get dark, the women who were playing the music, they left, and then those statues that were holding music came alive, and the statues started to play the music.
2: And I'm like, oh,
1: that's really beautiful. Except that, you know, they're in this woman's weird, crazy sex dungeon, so...
0: (laughs) A little less cool.
1: Yeah. So both of them were cheerful. And it, it says, as she became drunk, so did I. Because, again, it's in like the first person now. Oh, yes. they uh, These perform at night and the others by day. I'm like, fascinating. And after they'd gotten good and drunk, they went up into a bed filled with cushions and mattresses of satin. And the queen took off her clothes and got into the bed and kissed his face and he kissed hers. And it said, I enjoyed her until morning when she sat up and put on her clothes. And then, like, she went off to the bath. And I guess he just hung out for, like, 40 <laughs> days just enjoying, like, hooking up with this, like, woman, even though he knew for a fact that she... But she
0: was going to turn him into an animal. Yeah.
1: I'm like, what in the world? So... So when he had realized that, you know, that 40 days had almost passed, he asked the queen, hey, I need to go visit my uncle, Abdallah. I need to like talk with him. And she's like, oh, yes, of course, you can definitely do that. I promised him that you could go and see him whenever you wanted um, while you're with me. So but do promise that you'll come back. And he was like, for sure. Yes, definitely. I will do that. (laughs) So he went back to his fake uncle and was like okay so i've been with her and you know i've seen these different animals that are kept like even inside so it's not just like all of those cattle there's also like different birds and stuff like that and the uncle was like okay those are also people that she has turned into animals after she's like slept with them um here's what i need you to do tonight stay awake Until midnight, but pretend to be asleep, which we know he's good at since he did that and got himself (laughs) into this hot mess. And you need to keep an eye on like what type of magic she performs so that then you can come tell me about it so that then we can figure out a way to counteract it. And he was like, "Okay, yes, I will definitely, definitely do that. So he went back that night and again, they had a beautiful night. He made sure not to drink as much so that he was able to stay awake afterwards and lay asleep. So when the queen thought that he was asleep, she got out of bed and she went over to this like chest of drawers that she had and she took out this red sand and she scattered it about muttering a spell over it. And then she pulled out a small box that had barley in it. And she planted the barley in the room and immediately it sprouted up and ripened in front of him. And so she took all of that barley and put it into a bowl and she started to like ground it up to make like a porridge. Then she put that bowl of porridge that she had just ground up away and then she swept up all the red sand and she put that away and then she laid back down in bed. And so in the morning, Bidir was like, can I go and visit my uncle again? And she's like, of course, yes, just make sure that you come back tonight (laughs) because we're going to have a special feast. (laughs) And he was like, Sure thing, lady. So he went to his uncle. He reported everything that he, his fake uncle, reported everything that he had seen her do. And the uncle was like, oh, I see it now. So what she's going to do is she's going to get you to eat some of that porridge. And when you eat the porridge, right after, she's going to spit water on you and she's going to say, leave this human shape of yours and assume the shape of, then she's going to name an animal that she wants to turn you into. But what you need to do is you need to get her to eat this porridge and he pulls out two bowls of porridge Mm. that the uncle has made and he's Mm. like so what you need to do is you need to get her to eat a bowl of this and then you need to hide in your bowl like a spoonful so that when she offers you a bowl of her porridge you can pretend to eat her porridge by putting a spoonful of my porridge into your mouth then when she says that, you won't turn into an animal. But if she does say that to you and you don't turn into an animal, <laughs> you need to then command that she turns into an animal and she will because you've tricked her into eating this porridge. Oh. And he was like, this sounds great. So he goes back <laughs> to the royal palace with the porridge. And when he sits down to eat, he was like, oh, Good news, my uncle has sent this porridge home. He wants you to have some. He wanted to offer you this gift, and he wants us to eat it together. And she's like, okay, yeah, sure, whatever. So they each eat a bowl, and he slyly hides a spoonful of his uncle's porridge in a spoon in his sleeve, which I'm like, that's dirty, disgusting, but whatever. <laughs> Don't put wet porridge in your clothes.
0: Probably not a great idea.
1: So after they'd finished eating the uncle's porridge, she's like, oh, and now I would like to offer you some of my porridge. So she sets down a bowl of porridge and he eats the spoonful of porridge that was in his sleeve. And he was like, oh, that is really delicious, honey. But I'm so full from eating that other bowl of (laughs) porridge. I don't think I can eat anymore. And she's like, that's totally fine that you can't (laughs)
2: eat anymore.
1: And then she spits into his face. And says, change from your shape into that of an ugly, grimy mule. (laughs) And he just, like, stares at her. And she laughs and is like, (laughs) darling, don't hold this against me, for I was just playing a joke on you. (laughs) (laughs) And he was like, um, okay, So he spat water into her face and said, Change your shape to that of a dark mule. And immediately she fell on the ground and turned into a mule. (laughs) So he can't get a bridle onto her. So he goes to his uncle and he's like, Hey, uncle, his fake uncle. And he's like, Okay, I've turned her into a mule. And what do I do with her now? And the uncle. Says, I have a bridle that once you present it to her, she'll immediately like go into the bridle. It's like a magic bridle. But then you have to keep a hold of her always, which I'm like, that seems like an impossible
0: plan. (laughs) I agree.
1: So he goes back to the palace, bridles up that queen, and then he rides her. Out of the city. Just totally normal thing to do with your enemies. So Badir rides the queen into this city. He is met by a man who's like, Oh, you look like a weary traveler. Why don't you come inside? I'll have my servant take this mule and put it in the stable for you. And he says, No, sir, I cannot part with this mule for a single instant. And if you won't let me inside the house with this mule (laughs) then allow me to go on my way because terrible things will happen to me if i lose this mule so as he's talking to this man about this an an old woman comes up and says master this mule resembles a mule that my son had so much but the mule has died would you sell it to me Bandira's is like, no, there's not enough that I would sell it to you. And she's like, I'd give you a thousand dinars if if you give me this mule. And he, looking at the old, raggedy old woman, says, Old woman, if you can produce a thousand dinars, I would gladly sell you this mule.
0: (laughs) Oh, no. Yep.
1: Immediately, she pulled out a bag full of a thousand dinars. And... He immediately was like, um, no, no, no. I did not mean that this mule is not for sale. I cannot give you this mule. And the man who he'd been talking to said, oh, no you promised her that if she had a thousand dinars, you would sell her this mule. I heard you say that. Mm. And he was like, I I didn't think she had it. And they're like, no, we don't allow liars into our city, which I don't know if that's true. (laughs) You have to honor the sale that you just made. So he begrudgingly hands the mule over and takes the money. And the old woman walks off with the mule. And he looks into the bag, and the dinars have turned into pieces of clay. He's been bamboozled.
2: No. <laughs>
0: Apparently, they do let liars and tricksters into yep. their city.
1: The old lady was actually Queen Lob's mother. So the queen quickly seized the hand of Bedar. She whistled three different notes. And immediately an Ifrit, the size of a huge mountain, appeared, and they were all the way back in the queen's palace. Oh, no, we're going backwards,
2: Jeff. (laughs) The story's
1: never going to end. So when she had taken her seat on her throne, her attendants were all like, oh, we're so glad that you're here. We're so glad you're here. And the queen quickly spat into Bedir's face and said, leave your human shape and take that of the ugliest of all birds. I immediately just wanted to like throw shade at like uh, just one particular bird. (laughs) I think that like the shoe billed storks, they're terrifying looking Uh, birds. Um, They're pretty big though. But anyway, I don't need to throw any birds under the bus. (laughs) So... Badir, now the world's ugliest bird, was sitting sad. He would not eat. He would not drink. And finally, one of the queen's maidens felt sorry for him. And so she went out to Abdallah and she told him all that had happened. And it was like, Badir is back. He's trapped in the body of this bird. I don't know what to do. And Abdallah... Said something which I'm like, dude, if you had brought this up way earlier before in the story, this all could have been avoided. Abdallah says to the girl, he said, do you know who Badir's mother is? And the maiden was like, no, I don't. And Abdallah says she is Julnar of the sea, the most skillful sorceress on the face of the earth, while in particular Her mother is the greatest of calamities and disasters. (laughs) We must go and get Julnar immediately, which I'm like, why didn't you do that before? (laughs) So anyway, the maid servant, she was like, yes, we'll do that immediately. And she whistles and recites a spell, which immediately produces a Ginia who said, give me your command. And she says, I want you to carry me to Julnar and the White City, for I have business with her. And the Jinia said, lady, I have been there, and Julnar is in the worst states because she is so sad missing her son. And the maidservant was like, don't worry, I have great news for her. And they take (laughs) off. And after a mere blink of an eye, the flight ended on the roof of Julnar's palace. And the maidservant got off and she quickly like ran inside and found julnar recognizing her as the sorceress and goddess queen that she was and was like my lady i have great news your son is with queen lob but he has been transformed into the ugliest of shapes so help him while there is still time Immediately, Julnar is like, Yes, you found my son. And she gets her brother to come, who rises a clan of Jinn and the armies of the sea, and they immediately go to this palace. Which again, (laughs) I'm like, why didn't you do this before? So, the palace of Queen Lob was taken by surprise, and the queen was captured by the armies of Julnar of the Sea. And the Badir bird was brought to his mother, who spat water on him, recited a spell, and quickly he became as beautiful as the moon as he had been before. <laughs> And she could see that he was wasting away. And because of all that had happened to him, which obviously enraged his mother, Julnar, who commanded that all who had participated in this be put to death immediately.
2: Oh, so I'm like, damn. yeah,
1: get him. So then <laughs> Julnar sent for Abdallah, the green grocer. <laughs> and was like a
0: fake uncle to her son yes a
1: fake uncle to her son and she bent down in front of him and kissed the ground and thanked him for oh. everything that he had done to help her son badir and she said for all you have done i am going to grant you this kingdom and you can have any woman that you want and he was like the only woman that i want is the maidservant who went to fetch you. And Julnar of the sea was like, of course. (laughs) So now you have the king of the grocers. (laughs) You have like (laughs) King Abdallah and his queen. And now they are ruling in that kingdom. And Julnar took her son back to her back to his rightful kingdom. And she says, son, I still would like it. If you were to marry somebody, who would you like to marry? And he says to my infinite disappointment, (laughs) I still would love to marry princess Jahara. (laughs) And (laughs) And Julnar of the Sea was like, I think we will find that her father is much more likely to grant the marriage now that he is in our prisons. (laughs) (laughs) And so a judge was called out and a marriage contract was written up and the princess Jahara was brought out and she was still as lovely and splendid as ever, if not my least favorite. (laughs) And King Badir went back to ruling his kingdom with his new queen and his mother, Julnar of the Sea, always by his side. And they ruled untroubled the rest of their lives until they were parted by the destroyer of delights and the separator of companies. Death. Oh, man. (laughs) I know. I kind of love it when it's like (laughs) they were parted by the destroyer of delights. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Which is like, I'm like, yeah, is,
1: that like, euphi- I'm like is that a euphemism? I'm like, is that a euphemism for cool. death, or is it the most terrifying way to talk about it? <laughs> I find it so unsatisfying mm. that he ends up marrying like that turd girl that like Jahara. I mean, in her defense, sh- what she was seeing happen was like her kingdom was getting attacked and taken over, and then some random dude popped out of a tree and was like, <laughs> hey Haughty, and she's like, no not today
0: not in the mood um i'm just i guess i'm
1: just like angry with her because like one Julnar of the sea had such a beautiful like love story at the beginning with like her husband yeah and then badir very much did not have that and i kind of wanted that for him
2: yeah i knew since i knew it was possible
1: because like his mom had a beautiful love story i wanted him to also right and like there's there's no point in the story where like she kind of She has the opportunity to, like, redeem herself. And so she kind of, like, I mean, his actions also started the downward spiral of what happened. But, yeah, there's just never a point where I'm really like, oh, Princess Jahara, like, deserves a happy ending, too.
0: Yeah. And it's like neither of them really did anything to... Earn the love of the yeah. other.
1: It was more it was more like At transactional.
0: Yeah. It was just and it's just like he loved her because he had like heard about her. You know, his only actual interaction with her was like not great.
1: <laughs> yeah, where she's like, <laughs> Oh hey, so buddy. Weird. Turn into a bird and get away from me.
0: Yeah. But there's a lot about this story that's so interesting. I like in lots of good ways, obviously, and like some strange ways as well. Like the whole like underwater living people but they're not like mermaids they're just people but they have these like spells and stuff they can do to live underwater and they're like all magical like that is awesome
1: yeah and like it's actually interesting uh in the foreword that was written by robert irwin (laughs) in tales of the marvelous and news of the strange it said medieval arabs seem to have been this is a quote medieval arabs seem to have been fascinated by the people who lived in the sea captain berzab ib shariar which is interesting that his last name is Shariar. Shariar's book of the wonders of India, which is written around uh, 920 AD.
2: Oh man.
1: Had this to say on the subject, quote, someone who had been to Zala and the land of the Ethiopians told me that in the Ethiopian sea, there is a fish chest like a human being in body, hands and feet, lonely fishermen, hold congress with the females from them are born beings that look like men and live in the water and in the atmosphere End quote. which I'm like that's so interesting I mean we've we've talked we talked about this like last year
2: Yeah
1: about when we did an African diaspora mermaids episode Yeah about mermaids are kind of like all over the place the idea of there are being undersea humanoid creatures um, isn't new. And I think it's interesting that it's like people from the land of Ethiopia told me, cause it's again, we have like African mermaids being talked about. Mm-hmm. And so there are several stories in the nights or in um, tales of the marvelous news of the strange that include people who like live underwater. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, it's really fascinating that, all over the world, there are stories of like, are there humanoids yeah. that live under the sea? Are there like mermaids or humans that, and so it's interesting that this story has kind of like a different spin on that where it's that power of King Solomon through the magic granted to him by like all of this knowledge given to him by God Yeah, includes this like ability to have these like, talismans or amulets, these symbols that kind of, I guess, create this like air pocket.
0: Right. That you can (laughs) around the person. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so it becomes like humans that can like walk down into the sea. And then you have this idea from that quote that I just read of like, oh yeah, those people can maybe come from like lonely fishermen hooking up with these like female human like beings from under the sea that creates men that can live in air and water. Right. So it's like, you have that one idea of like, Oh, it's just from like the breeding of the two humanoid creatures. <laughs> yeah. Um, Creating this like special breed versus a pseudo religious reason mm-hmm. why there could be these humans under the sea. So I also want to talk a little bit about my like body language. quote that I made like at the beginning. So I have a quote from obviously the Arabian Nights, a companion. (laughs) Um, That when Robert Irwin is talking about different stories that we have today that are influenced by the Thousand and One Nights, he says, Hans Christian Andersen, who as a child was regularly read to from the Nights, was similarly devoted to its tales, but he made more deliberate use of its stories as a source of creative inspiration. His Tinderbox story that like there's a story called Tinderbox his tinderbox certainly owes something to Aladdin while his little mermaid may be modeled on the story of Julnar of the Seaborn. Nice. And so that part at the beginning of the story where she doesn't have a voice and she wants this man to fall in love with her anyway. Right. Um, Is something that, you know, was employed along with other stories about mermaids um, to create the little mermaid as we know it, but it's interesting that something from the thousand and one nights also made its way into a story that we think of as like very European. Yeah. And it's like, no, there's like, there's little hints of, uh, the middle East in that story too, of like tales that were inspired by that.
0: That was an element that I thought was really interesting. And again, it's kind of strange, that I didn't understand the point where she's like, oh, like, I didn't speak because I wanted you to know that you really loved me. She's like, okay, so I'm not going to speak, but I'm going to have sex with you for an
2: entire year
0: <laughs> so that I can know that you really love me for me. And it's like, wouldn't it make more sense to talk to him for a year, refusing to have sex with him, to get let him get to know you, to then know if he would actually love you before, you know... Like, is that not a better test? It's just funny how it's like, that's kind of, seems backwards to me. Like, how are you, how is he supposed to fall in love with you without getting to know you? Which again, I think is a very modern
1: sensibility. Because like, like in my sense, in my sense of the story, it was kind of that, like the control that she had was like, over whether she spoke to this person or not like right. that was like s- in a way that she could exercise control but i mean even that's interesting because i mean the guy who at the beginning tried to come on to her she just like beat the crap out of him
2: yeah
1: until he just got rid of her because he was yeah. like no 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 this lady violent um and so yeah no i i take your point that it's interesting i mean it's like she wanted to be she was comfortable being his wife in that right. way of yeah. like okay if i'm your wife i guess you can like have this part of me but you don't necessarily get to have like my thoughts
2: yeah my words yeah that makes which
1: sense. but i mean what you're saying to my modern sensibilities also yeah like makes right. a lot of sense where like i would be like no <laughs> not until i know that you like love me and truly care about me would i like like, give that to you. Give my body to you. Right. And, of course, the um, cultural
0: context is, like, so important in that yes. factor. It's like she had no control to, like, say whether or not that they would get married. I guess she kind of did. Like, she said she could have gone in and see. Because even making that comment of, you know, like, I think that's, like, a weird way to test. Like, I did think it was, like, this really beautiful thing. Because they did have this really authentic, like, loving relationship without her speaking to him. And, it didn't, like, make him mad. He didn't try to just force her to speak. He tried to, like, get her to speak by talking to her and asking her questions or doing whatever.
1: Yeah. And but then when it, he didn't... Yeah, it's like when she didn't speak, he was kind of like, oh, okay.
2: You just accepted nice that you. about her. And yeah. It was, yeah,
1: yeah, he was like, okay, that's just, like, something about her, but it's not... That's not upsetting as, you know, we have right. other stuff. We listen to music together. We, like, <laughs> eat food together. She seems to be enjoying herself so i guess yeah like we're good yeah it's like yeah. yeah i'm like torn between being like is it sweet or is it weird
0: <laughs> yeah i mean i really do This whole story is weird in so many ways. So within the weirdness of the whole story, like I definitely lead towards like, it is really sweet. Like I really did enjoy it. Like
1: it's definitely news of the strange for sure.
0: Yeah. It's not the type of love story that I would want for myself or my children or my friends or pretty much anyone that I know. But within the context that it exists of this story with people that live in the sea and like turning people into animals all the time, like it was beautiful. But I thought it was interesting, as usual, that the titular character, Julnar of the Sea, is like not who the bulk of the story is about. Like it starts off with Shariar, then she comes in and she has a really good story for her portion. But then it seems like so much more of the story is about Badir and his whole like misadventures with trying to go get Jahara to marry him and then how that goes horribly wrong. But it made me think about okay, well, why would she be the one who the title of the story is about. And I think one of the things that really comes to mind is like, one of the big themes that seemed to play out through this whole thing was about the parents' love for their children. Like, it started off with a story that we've talked about a long time. It started off with being Shariar, but he wanted a kid. He wanted a son. He wanted an heir that he was unable to get. Yeah. And then when he was finally able to get one with Jul'Nar, of course, like in all of these stories, like he was the most amazing kid ever. You know he was great at he was really smart, great at horseback riding, which is apparently really important.
1: Yeah. Every every time there's a long-awaited child, it's always like the best child that ever like, yeah. was. I mean, even going back to like we did an episode at the beginning of the podcast about Momotaro in Japan. Yeah. And it's like same thing. This child is born out of a peach or great. out of the woman. Yeah. The and best. it's just <laughs> it's just like the best child ever. And yeah.
0: Yeah. So and then Julnar has her story. She like they get the son and then because of her motherly love for him, she wants him to get married. So they go on this whole thing and that's kind of what leads to Badir's big thing. And then you go around, there's all these parents that are acting like just purely out of the love of their children. Like when Jolnar goes back before she gives birth to Badir, like her mom comes out and is ready to like just enact vengeance on whoever had like kidnapped her. (laughs) Yeah, she's like,
1: who took my daughter? Who took my daughter? I'm going to light them on fire. Like mouth flames shooting out. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then even like the... Uh, you know, Jahara's dad, who's like stupid and violent, like not wanting to give his daughter up to be married to this guy. Like he's doing it out of the fact that he cares about his daughter.
1: That's true. He's like, I feel like my daughter is too good for any person who's ever alive.
0: <laughs> and that includes you. And that includes you. <laughs> but I could make it not include you by killing you.
1: Yeah. That's like, his
0: that's the only loophole.
1: His like main tactic. Yeah. So yeah, even though we're like, like, okay, this guy is not the best. It is like he's acting out of like, no, my daughter deserves like even something completely unattainable, not possible. Yeah. But yeah.
0: Yeah, and then even, you know, like Lob's mother after she's been turned into a mule. Like she tricks.
1: <laughs> yeah, that old that she, old lady.
0: <laughs> that old lady, she tricks Badir with the fake, you know, thousand dinars into giving her up for, you know, the love of her her own daughter. And then it's like it got me thinking about that theme. And then you think about the end of the story. Like it seems like Badir's ending is that he would get married to the girl that he wanted to end from the beginning. Like he had his want, which was to marry this girl that he heard about when he was supposed to be asleep. (laughs) (laughs) And he gets that in the end, but that's not kind of like the climax and like the emotional, the emotional climax of the story. Like the emotional point of the story is Jul'Nar getting her son back safely that she'd been so worried about yeah
1: is her like sitting like on her throne completely worried like what has happened to my son when am i gonna get word of him and this woman comes and is like i know where your son is and she's like let's get to
0: killing yeah and then and then they do they they go and they rescue him they get him back and they have like their moment of like being reunited and then after that as part of just like the whole resolution leading to like oh and everyone's going to be super happy he gets to marry who he wants she you know it's just the yeah. and then all these things get tacked onto the end
1: because what I like about the story is that even as it goes away from being a story about Julnar like it moves away from her onto that next generation of yeah. like her son and his possible like love story and really it's less a love story his part is more of just like this odyssey <laughs>
2: yeah
1: and I use that word purposefully a
0: series too. of unfortunate events
1: <laughs> a series of unfortunate <laughs> <laughs> events that like you know then gets gets fully wrapped up with his mom comes right and it's like she's this like absolute boss
2: uh-huh
1: <laughs> and she comes and is like no i'm gonna end this nonsense i'm gonna get my son his happily ever after like it becomes her story again like at yeah. the end it gets and like, it's interesting how.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting how, even throughout the story, I noticed this too, where it's like they kept touching back with her, whether like going back and talking about how upset she was that her son was gone, or just everyone talking about, like, oh, don't you know that he is Julnar of the Sea's son? Like, that became a big thing. So, even. In the moments when she wasn't present, her presence was very strongly felt and was influencing the course of the story, which was cool.
1: That like who Badir was, was only important in relation to who his mother was. Right. Was it was like, oh, who's this guy? Some random guy just like wants to marry this woman. Like, no, this is the son of Julnar of the Sea. And it's yeah. like, oh, dang. It's like, oh, don't you know who his mother is? <laughs> which for me, like what bugs me in the story, if I were to rewrite this thousand-year-old story. <laughs>
2: <laughs> if I to give it, you a
0: few notes.
1: If I was to give a few notes, it reminds me of that point in Lord of the Rings where like those birds, which are modeled off of the rock birds from the Middle East, anyway. Uh-huh the those eagles when they like go to Mount Doom and just like pick up the, <laughs> the hobbits and it's like wait why couldn't they those birds have dropped them off which I don't even want to get into I was gonna it. say
0: you do not want to get into this because
1: I know people have people have said their reasons <laughs> uh I I've heard I've heard the argument for it it's just it feels you know, uh, but this, <laughs> this moment kind of feels like that to me. Of like, you know, when this maid servant's like, "Oh no, they've turned him into a bird," and all of a, all of a sudden Abdallah's like, "Oh, we need like we really need to get his mom involved in this."
2: Yeah, when <laughs> like they this
1: could've... is yeah. I'm like, why didn't he do that at beginning? Because at the beginning, when he was like, "Dude, get in here! What are you doing here?" When he was like, okay, here's what's happening is, I'm like, maybe he didn't say my mother is dulnar of the sea, like right up top. But when he told that guy his whole story, his like, Abdullah's first thing should have been like, oh, we need to get you just back to your mom. Right. Like, I'm going to send a messenger to tell your mom where you are, and uh-huh. we're going to get you back, boy.
0: But he, here's the interesting thing, though, because he's living in this, Abdullah is living in this kingdom that's ruled by this tyrannical sorceress that's turning all the men into animals after she has her way with them. When Badir comes, he sees this as an opportunity to maybe finally free themselves from this sorceress. So he's not, he doesn't know that Badir is the main character of the story in his (laughs) mind. He's the main (laughs) character. And this opportunity comes where he can find out how the magic's been done so that they can finally get rid of the sorceress. And it's not until the crap hits the fan that he's like, okay, this has gotten way out of hand. Now we really need to call his mom and bring him into this situation. I
1: really like that explanation, Jeff, (laughs) that like that Abdallah was like, this is the guy I've been hoping will help me to like solve this problem. Okay. I like, I like that. What if he's been doing that to every single (laughs)
0: person? He probably (laughs) has.
1: He's like, Oh dang it. Lost another one. (laughs) What is that? (laughs) 9,999. He's like, well, hopefully the ocean will bring us another one. <laughs> but I do like that. Is that that he's he's thinking? Okay, like, how can I defeat this? What I want to know is, like, why isn't the queen trying to hook up with Abdallah?
0: Because he's is old. Is it because he's like ugly, an old? He's, he's
1: yeah. <laughs> He's like an old magician, so she's like, "Ew, not interested."
0: Yeah, I, I, I assume. I mean, it's like that. She likes
1: her men young and with no magic.
0: Well, she was talking about how, like, when she saw Badir, like how good looking he was and all that stuff. You know, it's like she likes what she likes. There's a reason <laughs> why. <laughs>
1: I love that explanation. She likes what she likes. <laughs> Like, hey, you know what? She just wasn't that into him, okay? Yeah, and that's re- her prerogative. Exactly.
0: There's a reason that Abdullah was, like, on this island, one of the few people that hasn't been turned into an animal. Whatever that reason is, we don't know. But for some reason, she just wasn't into him. Yeah. And that's fine.
1: I wonder if he ever, like, sits up at night and he's like, why not
0: me? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of, like, you know- Am I
1: so bad? <laughs>
0: It's one of those situations where you're like, I know that I like should be grateful and like, yeah, that's awesome that I'm not getting turned <laughs> into an animal. But like, what's wrong with me? Why don't you want to like seduce me and turn me into an animal? Like, yeah, is
1: he, he's, he's like, am I really that
0: gross? <laughs> it would be a little bit of a confidence killer for sure.
1: <laughs> to not be like seduced and turned into an old mule. Yeah.
0: To be one of the few men on the in the kingdom
1: yeah that she's just like hmm i've used up every other man maybe i'll take nope uh <laughs> no <nah>, i'm good <laughs> it's like wow ouch ouch well, i mean one thing that is noted in the introduction to tales of the marvelous and news of the strange it says in julnar the sorceress queen lobs Voracious sexual desire leads her to sleep with one man after another before turning them into animals. One thing that's really interesting to me about Queen Lob that pops up a lot in the Thousand and One Nights is that one of the ways in the nights that women are portrayed as bad or evil is if they have too much sexual appetite. Mm If they are, like, too interested in sex or they have sex with, like, more than one person, they are usually a bad character. Their label is like, oh, you're not good. While men, because, like, nobody thought that it was, you know, weird that Badir was fine hooking up with this queen that he knew was turning men, 10,000 men, like, into mules or birds or, like, whatever. He knew that she was doing that, but he still was fine, like, hooking up with her. Like, it's not a big deal if there's this, like, double standard where, like, if men have, like, multiple partners. I mean, even his dad. Yeah, I was going to say, like, Sharia had, like, concuban. the multiple, yeah.
2: yeah.
1: It's not seen as, like, bad. But if a woman in the nights has more than one partner, like, in... I mean, the the frame story of the nights, that woman who was in that chest of, yeah, that like chest that the djinn had, you know, the fact that she had like, what was it, like 573 rings yeah. that she had taken from like the men that she slept with, like automatically you're like, oh, this woman is like, evil this woman is bad because she's like hooking up with uh like too many men yeah and so yeah that's one of the like interesting kind of like shorthands to say oh this character is bad this character is like no good is that a woman is too sexually active Mm -hmm. which you said at the beginning you kind of mentioned you know thinking about in the thousand and one nights if shaharazad were to be picking tales, even though you know she's not like a real person. But in the context of like, okay, what stories that exist already in the Middle East would be interesting ones for um, Shahrazad to tell? Yeah, this is a great one for a, a writer who's like you know compiling stories. Mm-hmm. This is a good one for him to say, oh, Shahrazad would definitely want to tell this story because it again shows. More varieties for women entails, yeah, because it's like you have Julnar, you have like Julnar's mother, you have the the princess at the beginning, who is eh
2: in my book <laughs> um,
1: but you also have like the the maid servants who kind of turn against their the bad choice you know because that princess was like leave that bird on the waterless island and the maid servant was like no i feel bad about that so yeah. you had like that maid servant then you had the ma- maid servant of the queens and yeah you have like the queen so it's like you have all of these different women in this story kind of showing like okay yes I mean, maybe even, you know, Shahrazad saying, like, I agree with you that women are that are too sexually promiscuous because that was Shariar's problem.
2: Yeah. That's a wife cheated on nights. him. A
0: bunch. yeah. Yeah. I was going to bring that up, too. It's like she could say, like, yes, there are bad women like this in the world. Like, we can agree on that, that this behavior is bad. But then look at all these other women that there are that are great, that are helpful, that are. Yeah. Caring and loving and devoted to their husbands and their sons and their families.
1: Yeah. There's like this like wide variety of like women out there. So I feel like this is like an interesting one. You know, if you had that. If you had an author who was trying to pick out stories that already existed in the Middle East, like at the time Mm -hmm. to figure out which ones to include in the thousand and one nights. I can see why this one makes a great one to include in that collection of stories. Oh, yeah. And one of the reasons why I wanted to include this story in the ones that like we're doing for our Thousand and One Nights journey this year is because not only is this story found in other sources, and that's interesting to bring up, too, to talk about like Tales of the Marvelous and News of the Strange. Yeah. It also is a story that has inspired other stories, like we talked about with The Little Mermaid. But also, this is a story that is possibly inspired by older Greek and Roman stories. So, in The Arabian Nights of Companion, it says, Here and there throughout the nights, one comes across what seems, to be survivals of stories and images from the literature of ancient Greece and Rome. Galan, that's Antoine Galan. <laughs> Galan found a reworking of Xerxes' enchantment of Odysseus's Companions in the Night story of Julnar the Seaborn and her son, King Badir Bazim. We don't get his last name in the in the Tales of Marvelous News of the Strange. And the, yeah, that's the title for the French. <sighs> By Galand, Jul'Nar the Seaborn and her son, King Badir-Bazim. In which the sorceress, Queen Lob, uses a drug to transform her former lovers into birds. Jul'Nar the Seaborn herself may owe something to Thetis, the sea deity and mother of Achilles. Uh. And so this story is such an interesting one to look at to talk about how while there are like... Echoes of stories from the night in tales that have come since. There are also tales from other places that have inspired the night, and some of that is evidence in this story, Julnar the Seaborn.
0: Thank you for listening to the fairy tellers. If you enjoy what we're doing, please leave us a review or share us with your friends. Also consider supporting us on Patreon for access to exclusive bonus content, including outtakes and monthly bonus episodes at patreon.com slash thefairytellers. Special thanks to Andrew Forey for our music, and to Clarice Inch for our artwork. And of course, a big thank you to all our patrons. Without all of you, this show wouldn't be possible.
1: Fairy tales are always more interesting when something is added to them. Each new telling recharges the narrative, making it crackle and hiss with cultural energy. Maria Tatar but just so you know, in the schedule right now I do have them color-coded.
0: Yeah, I did not even look at the schedule. Oh,
1: so. I'm so sorry.
0: No, don't I'm sorry that I'm <laughs> not looking at the schedule to you don't apologize.
1: <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry that I color coordinated the schedule like an idiot thinking that you would look at it. Um, <laughs>